Hey, everybody, this is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com, and this is another episode of the podcast where I talk about my opinions, and, and you know, you take it as you will, you know, if you find what I have to say interesting. And in this episode, what I want to talk about is, is there actually rights? Okay, so basically, essentially, when people usually say something is a right, they're basically saying it's something you're entitled to. Okay, so... Um, when people say that, oh, something like healthcare is a right, what this essentially is implying is that everyone should be provided with healthcare and basically it's everyone's responsibility to provide them with that, which usually translates in saying, you need to pay whatever taxes are necessary for the government to provide this. That's essentially what that translates into. Um, and I have an issue with that. Like, I, I take issue with that framing because once you say something is a right, then like it shuts down all conversations about practicality. Um, they're like, well, you know, rights, you know, you got to provide people with rights and, and it doesn't matter what the cost is. That's the job of blah, 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 blah. Okay. And the problem with that is, is at the end of the day, like you, we do want more people to have as many people as possible to have access to healthcare. And ideally, you know, that's affordable. Same thing with education, same thing with everything like we want people to have access to wi-fi and access to um you know whatever the things that they want and need um but at the end of the day it is a privilege it is a privilege okay um it's not a right um and at the end of the day that's that's just semantics but i do think the semantics have a practical effect on the way people talk about issues when you frame something as a right you're basically telling people that like it the cost doesn't matter because this is something you should expect regardless. So what that does do is it makes people less likely to really think about how it gets provided and what the costs are, which actually makes it where less people will be provided with the thing because there's just less like thought process of like, how is it done? Less people care less. It's kind of like, you know, you go, you do things in life, for example, you go to a restaurant and you sort of feel like you expect certain things that sort of you are entitled to them. In this case, you paid for those entitlements. Um, so you don't care how it happens. Oftentimes you sit there and just say, hey, like I expected this when something doesn't go your way and you'll say, hey, I don't care what you have to do to make it happen, but make it happen. And that's kind of understandable. Like, you know, you, you want to go into sort of like a market transaction with sort of expectation of what's on both ends. But the problem is here now we're talking about political decisions where the costs can be variable. And really the only thing that oftentimes holds accountable uh, political decisions are the involvement and the, the scrutiny of the people who, who surround these decisions. Because otherwise, like, you know, you, you know, you're a government official, you're spending someone else's money. Um, and oftentimes it gets hidden within a bigger budget and who's in charge of who, who's supervising, who gets really, really complicated and opaque and complex um yeah but then that gets me thinking like at the end of the day like as a libertarian um i believe i typically would believe like individual there's something called individual rights okay and but at the end of the day there is a cost to those rights and i'll come back to that like because typically the framing is if you go back to like philosopher um isaiah berlin he would divide up the idea of rights into two categories there's positive and negative rights. So a negative right would be, and this is generally what libertarians would believe are called a right, or should be called a right, 
uh, negative rights. These are things that impose no other obligation on someone else for you to be able to do. So for example, if I born with the ability to speak, then I have a right to use my mouth. Because in a sense, my mouth is my body, so I can speak and I can say what I want. Because it imposes no obligation on others. You don't have to listen to me. I don't have a right to be heard. I have a right to speak. Okay, now if you want to ignore me or whatever, it's, it's on you. Okay, but I have, a, I have a right to be able to like make sounds with my mouth. I have a right to move my arm. So this is like the whole right to your body. It's mine. Okay. Um, and I don't know if right is maybe necessarily the best word um, more than, and I think other libertarians will use this terminology a little bit better, that you own yourself. And I think that's a, it's a better framing of it because you do own yourself. Like, it's really hard to argue otherwise. I mean, like, like you take a look at any kind of framework for determining ownership of something, um, like who is the person who, who gets to make decisions regarding a thing, who gets to decide when something transfers ownership. You know, you take a look at all these different like property frameworks, it's hard to ever argue that you don't own your body, okay? That you don't born with that, um, even though that's, um, okay, well, that's getting it, I'm getting it out and down a diatribe. But the point being is that like when we call, we call something like the right to free speech or the right to life, it's still at the end of the day imposing some sort of like obligation on others. It's still essentially a positive right because if we say property, the right to property ownership is a right, then there has some sort of be some sort of system to adjudicate that. Someone has to be obliged to adjudicate that. If everyone said, hey, I'm not going to adjudicate this, um, you know, good luck. Well, then, you know, then you have a, then basically it just comes down to like who has, who's stronger, who has better weapons. Okay. And that's not necessarily like the same thing as like a right. You know, at the end of the day, you may say I have a right, but if someone has a bigger rock, you're crushed and yada, yada. Okay. So at the end of the day, like even something like the right to property can be, a block can be something that requires an obligation on others that imposes. Now, again, it doesn't mean necessarily that that's always the case. Again, if you can have voluntary, you can, ex this if you think of it as a privilege, that privilege can exist. And I think it's, again, I think everyone should have uh, access to a system of property rights. I think there's actually a great value in it. And it's a very high priority for me. But at the end of the day, like, if you think of it as a privilege, then it makes more sense where, like, okay, people can pay their own. You know, you think of this like sort of like private system of adjudication and whatnot and competing systems. That's more in line with that. Because if you say something is a right and then people have like varying qualities of the thing that is a right, you, there's kind of a conflict. You're saying, okay, hey, people are entitled to X, but not everyone. But does that mean they're entitled to just the minimum level of X, say equal degree of X, or if someone has more, they're somehow disenfranchising someone else. Like it begs all these kind of questions um, in my mind, okay? Um, same thing with like, you know, so I, I'm at the point where I just like, I don't think anything can really be called a right. Like I don't think anything can truly be called sort of an objective right. The actual calling of anything a right is some sort of like expression of preferences, expression of values. So yes, I believe that individuals should have 
property rights or be have or really I, I believe I move to be a more thoughtful about it I believe everyone should have I think the privilege of being able to have access to a system of property ownership should be as profuse and be one of the most important privileges to be provided to as many individuals as possible but again I mean for that to exist you know universally for that to exist universally there would have to be obligations and again, generally when you hear the word right, it's something that generally that implies some sort of universality to it. So that's kind of what I'm saying. I'm saying like, there's nothing that can truly be universal. Even if you say like the right to speech, um, you know, th th some action, something has to be done to, in order to protect that right, to say, to say, hey, I'm providing this universally. Okay, we can say theoretically we should, and people should be able to use violence to defend those rights, but it's not really accomplishing much when you really think about it. So bottom line, we're basically it comes down to, a, I think, a much more fruitful discussion on saying sort of like, okay, a discussion of privileges and a discussion of sort of like within a civil society, within a society of individuals, within, you know, and basically the aim of society being to have as many, you know, individuals coexisting peacefully as possible because of obvious benefits. And again, that's in itself a normative expression. I'm expressing some sort of me what I think that society should be. And maybe not necessarily everyone thinks that. So uh, what I'm trying to get at is that there really isn't sort of like, nothing is absolute. Okay, well I definitely still think like, libertarianism has like the most ach more most achievable principles and practical principles and looks at things in a much more practical way at a high level. You know, there's, there's there's people who try. I mean, there's this whole argument between like utilitarianism. I'm not in the utilitarian camp. I'm I'm not in the sense that like I don't think everything should be done based on like, like there are lines that should be exist. You know, where like hey, something might be good for more people than the bad of doing a thing, where you still shouldn't do the bad thing. Like you should you shouldn't kill people intentionally, necessarily if it's going to save like ten lives. Like that's not a good thing doesn't necessarily mean there is no benefits from doing a not good thing again like there's a lot of horrible things in society and uh, things in history that have led to sort of good side effects but the point is like you shouldn't you shouldn't say that those side effects justify the action in a sense like certain things are wrong wrong things can have good outcomes but it doesn't necessarily mean they are right things um on the other hand you could have at the same time, like, I don't believe in there being some sort of, like, absolute. Like, I don't, I no longer believe in, like, sort of the deontological sort of, like, approach to, to individualism and libertarianism, where it's basically, like, there's just certain things that are just sort of, like, part and parcel to you being a living human individual um, in some sort of absolute way, whether it's basically you believe that, like, this is what God intended, or you basically believe that, like, hey, you know, as a human, you born with the ability to speak, so you should have the right to speak. At the end of the day, like, yes, you do. But again, once you say the word right, you're implying some sort of universality that, again, any kind of universality kind of implies an obligation on everyone for something to be universal. And I mean, you could say like, hey, you, you, we, you know, you're, and then even if you say, hey, there is no obligation. We're just saying that th there should be sort of a universal principle. You're still imposing this obligation that everyone accepts the, the principle. Okay, so at the end of the day, like, 
the minute you cross this rights threshold, there you've crossed the line of imposing some sort of expectation or obligation on others. Um, so in that case, the framework to really talk about it is privileges. And I think this is a much more beneficial framework because when something is a privilege, that means it's you, you can't take it for granted. It's not, it's not a foregone conclusion that you'll have this thing. You, it's not a foregone conclusion because there are parts of the world where you do not have the right to say what you want. Okay, you will get killed, you will get arrested. Um, you know, there's all these things that we call rights are, are just not rights. Like they are taken from you, they are, are, you are mishandled, you are mistreated, you are oppressed. So thinking of them as privileges allows you to think not only about like, how do we attain it, but how do we sustain it? And I think that's important. We want the ability, we want the privilege of speech. We want the privilege of healthcare, whatnot. But the question isn't just like, achieving it, it's sustaining it. And oftentimes, if you sit there, and you, the more I look at it, the more I've studied, it comes down to really like at the end of the day, it's in a market context where individuals have maximum autonomy, where you're gonna create a situation where you're gonna maximize the number of privileges that are accessible, meaning people can have them, and attainable, meaning it's likely that people can actually, or you know, it's relatively likely or relatively reasonably um, achievable, it's gonna be in a market context. So I believe, you know, again, it comes, it, I get to the same place. I don't see a better solution um, when you sit there and you just take a look at the whole grand context of like, you know, what you're really thinking about calculation, what you're thinking about incentives, um, etc. Of how can you provide as many privileges as possible? I do, I, so at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, like centralizing governance can oftentimes, again, dissipate uh, accountability, dissipate. So things like consent, things like property ownership, things like um, markets, these are things that I hold as very high values, but to me, they aren't rights. You don't have a right to a market. You don't have a, a right to property. You don't have a right to, um, necessarily technically not even consent. I mean, in a sense, like again, at the end of the day, like for some sort of universality, there's some sort of obligation is what I'm saying. So if nothing is universal, there's nothing that we can just sit there and say it's just magically, like there's nothing that's truly a negative right per se, in the sense that there's nothing that can be universally applicable to everybody without somebody sort of taking on the obligation to persist it. And the problem is, once we start calling things right, um, people take them for granted. People only think that they should have them, but they don't think about what it goes into sustaining them. Um, kind of like, you know, again, the difference between like going to college and going to K through 12. Okay, when you're in K through 12, you go to school, it's a chore because it's treated as a right. It says you have a right to go through K through 12. It's, it's, it's something that is provided to you. It is universal. It's not something you question. It is not something that needs to be sustained. It will be provided to you. Hell or high water. Okay, you might not get the same quality, but you will get something. Okay, and then, but then what happens is like once the people who are, are receiving K through 12 education oftentimes take it for granted. And again, given sometimes these are kids and they don't necessarily always understand things, but also the way society thinks about like, how do we make sure that we are providing a quality education to everybody? Everyone's just worried more about do, are we providing an education? Not necessarily. And people will say, yes, we're worried about the quality of education, but at the end of the day, the conversation always comes down to not necessarily like best practices, but it's oftentimes saying, hey, like there should be 
the existence of a school achieves a job and then like basically giving teachers a raise not and then again i do think like there's a lot of teachers that are underpaid but again the how you fix that situation is a whole different conversation but basically saying like giving teachers a raise is oftentimes the same and universally a raise like not based on like merit or anything like that um just giving them a raise is somehow tantamount to improving a child's education it's it's these are two different conversations um so i just think again discussing things in terms of privileges to be a more productive thought at the end of the day like has my beliefs in anything really changed no but the problem is like that i run into is like the minute you start saying like there's some sort of absolute set of rights or there's some definite rights then you start getting into like what is a right and what's the final right like the minute we just saw was just sitting there saying okay like we want everyone to have privilege hey you know i want everyone to have as much of these things as possible then the question then the you're steering away from this question of semantics and now you're geared towards the question of like how and that's a much more practically fruitful conversation so at the end of the day to me nothing is a right i don't like the word rights i think it's counterproductive to all political conversation of any type okay saying a right to a clean environment i mean because it basically implies that you don't have the responsibility of maintaining it because if you have a responsibility then it's not a foregone it's not a foregone conclusion that you have it okay and rights generally basically implies that you must have it so someone has to provide it and doesn't necessarily have to be you okay so that's my issue okay hopefully you guys find that sort of thought-provoking or you know i'm sure some people are going to be like well i like the word individual rights and all this stuff but um hopefully maybe uh this made you think a little bit more about the way you, what words you use when you have a conversation why why because at the end of the day, like the point of this conversation isn't to convince you to be a libertarian. The point of this particular episode is to convince you that when you talk to others about whatever you believe, that you talk in a way that that you talk in a way that's going to allow you to discuss more solutions instead of getting lost in semantics and definitions and philosophy and whatnot. All that stuff is important, but oftentimes people start debating points that don't actually result in any kind of practical action or change, or even change in like views of the people. You're just fighting over like, okay, who is more technically right or something like that. And I'm just trying to sit there and say, okay, how can we have more productive conversations? So you guys have a great day. My name is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com. Have a great day and enjoy.